You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. America. Acting. Hat. Do not attempt to adjust your eyeballs. There's nothing wrong. We have taken control so we can bring you a new kind of show. We will return your minds to you as soon as it's been deprogrammed. They say that if you free the mind, the country will follow. Well, our country needs to be free, y'all. We're in a time where men needs to stand up and be men. That's why we need to be fearless, America. Fearless has got to become more than just a word. It's got to become more than just a phrase. It's got to become a way of life so that we can all once again exist in a state of man glorious. So we can all once again be protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But the mind is the key. But you can't be a sissy. Welcome to Fearless, featuring Jason Whitlock. I'm your thrill sergeant, Uncle Jimmy, and we want to welcome you to today's show. Today, Big Jason's gonna go back and revisit that Aaron Rodgers controversy from Friday. Remember, remember back in when we talked about Kareem Irving in the NBA and him not being vaccinated, and they sent, they sent, uh, what's that boy's name? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on him. Well, guess what? The NFL just, he, they didn't sick an OG. They sent an OB, Terry Bradshaw and Aaron Rodgers. And unlike ESPN, Jason, Jason Whitlock is covering this story once again. All right, then we're gonna go out to LA to see the, see the Korean co-sale, Steve Kim. We're gonna talk to him about the NFL and him talking about the Patriots have gotten their swag back. As we're gonna also talk to him about what the hell happened to the Buffalo Bills getting beat by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Jason's gonna give his take on the Travis Scott Astro world, or as I like to call it, the underworld tragedy. And then we're gonna have the real first lady of the fearless army, the real Michelle, Shamika Michelle. She's gonna be here. And lastly, and not least, we're gonna be back to give you an approval rating on Travis Scott. Hey man, I need somebody to roll that theme music. J-Dub, get ready, cause it's that time, baby. Let's get fearless. Now that's a fire. Uncle Jimmy has me fired up. I hope you're ready uh, because fantastic show planned for you today. You just heard Uncle Jimmy preview it. I'm going to get straight to the fire starter. You guys need to go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe. Hit those likes. Hit the notifications. Support this fearless army. Support these fires. Uh, that I'm about to start. All right, even at age 73 and four decades removed from his last meaningful football game,
Terry Bradshaw remains the most important voice discussing America's national pastime, professional football. From his perch as the lead analyst on Fox Sports' NFL pregame show, Bradshaw's football's Walter Cronkite. For football people, losing Bradshaw's support is the equivalent of Cronkite losing faith in the Vietnam War and President Lyndon Johnson following the Tet Offensive. On Sunday, Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers, he lost Bradshaw. The Hall of Fame quarterback took a massive dump on Rodgers for being intentionally misleading about his vaccination status. Take a listen to this. I, one, I give Aaron Rodgers some advice. It would have been nice if he'd have just come to the Naval Academy and learned how to be honest. Yeah. Learned, learned not to lie because that's what you did, Aaron. You lied to everyone. I understand immunized. What you were doing was taking stuff that would keep you from getting COVID-19. You got COVID-19. Ivermectin is a cattle dewormer. Sorry, folks, that's what it is. We are a divided nation politically. We're a divided nation on the COVID-19, whether or not to take the vaccine. And unfortunately, we've got players that pretty much think only about themselves. And I'm extremely disappointed in the actions of Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Uh, Bradshaw's rebuke of Rodgers made news everywhere. Bradshaw's cohorts, uh, cohorts at Fox Sports joined their senior colleague in criticizing Rodgers, who missed Sunday's game while he recovers from COVID and follows the NFL's protocols related to COVID. The Fox Sports gang served as an exclamation point to ESPN's week-long condemnation of the reigning league MVP. The sports media establishment has spoken. Aaron Rodgers is a gutless, selfish liar, unworthy of defense or sympathy. He's a pariah. Previa Health dropped Rodgers as a sponsor. This past Sunday, State Farm Insurance slashed its uses of Rodgers in its national TV commercials. After weeks of appearing in 25% of its commercials, Rodgers appeared in just 1.5% of the insurance company's ads. Aaron Rodgers is well on his way to becoming the new Colin Kaepernick, a polarizing quarterback for taking an unpopular stance. There are differences, however. Rodgers is the main reason the Packers win games. The team was on a seven-game winning streak before Sunday's loss to the Chiefs. Kaepernick lost 16 of his final 19 NFL starts. The other major difference is Kaepernick never lost the support of Terry Bradshaw or the sports media establishment. Here's a couple of clips of Bradshaw talking about Colin Kaepernick. Felt like it, he felt it was a spectacle, that it wasn't really about him auditioning to get a job. And when when Colin moved the the um, workout an hour away just a handful of teams showed up. So what that did, what that tells you right there is the rest of them weren't interested. It was all, of, it was pretty much just a show. And I don't blame him, I don't blame, listen. What do you think about Colin Kaepernick becoming GQ Citizen of the Year? Uh, I'm fine with that. You're fine with it? Yeah, I'm fine with that. He, uh, he opened up the eyes of a lot of people, both good and bad. And I happen to think good. And uh, he has paid the consequences. Uh, he's not playing in the NFL. And uh, 
People won't touch him. They don't want to deal with all the trauma. Kaepernick remains beloved by the sports media establishment. Outsiders criticized Cap and were vilified as anti-black racist for doing so. President Trump ripped national anthem protesters. Fox News pundits chastised Kaepernick and his supporters. But the sports world circled the wagons around Kaepernick. NFL owners joined players in taking a knee. NFL owners financed criminal justice vanity projects for players. Roger Goodell arranged a special audition for Kaepernick. The league eventually paid Kaepernick several million dollars to go away. Nike hired Kaepernick as a pitchman and created a signature shoe line for Kaepernick. The establishment has hosted a five-year pity party for a quarterback with a career losing record, no Pro Bowl appearances, and no real desire to play football. If Aaron Rodgers was as mediocre a quarterback as Kaepernick, the Packers would cut Rodgers today and Terry Bradshaw would join Jamel Hill, Bomani Jones, Dan Levitar, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, and Keith Olbermann in applauding the decision. Rodgers is universally hated because he misled the public about his personal health. Rodgers' alleged lie did not harm anyone as far as we know. He didn't pass the coronavirus to a teammate, a secretary, a janitor, a cheerleader, or an assistant coach. He duped the media. That's his crime. Kaepernick, meanwhile, contributed to a false narrative about policing. He helped foster the lie that the American police officers are wildly and randomly killing large numbers of black men during routine stops. Kaepernick increased America's racial divide and politicized the lone area of American culture, sports, that had been relatively free of political polarization. When it comes to negative influence on American culture, who or what has done more damage? Rogers' vaccine status or Kaepernick's knee? It's not even close. But we live in a society defined by the lies supported on social media. January 6th was Pearl Harbor. Men are really women if they believe it in their minds. George Floyd is a hero. Black Lives Matter cares about black men. The flu disappeared and 700,000 people died from COVID. When untruth becomes endemic to a culture, we should not be surprised that good people resort to deception. Aaron Rodgers is Jack Nicholson in the movie A Few Good Men. Rodgers misled because he has no faith the media can handle the truth. In this country, medical conditions and procedures were intended to remain private between a doctor and a patient. In a year's time, COVID hysteria erased a long-held standard related to medical privacy. AIDS didn't erase medical privacy. COVID, a disease with a 99% survival rate, erased medical privacy. Rogers? is unworthy of defense and empathy? He's a pariah? Why? 
because we're being trained and programmed to never challenge government authority. The consequences of disobedience are being spelled out for all to see. The establishment loves Colin Kaepernick. Even Terry Bradshaw is forced to feign appreciation for Cap and express disdain for Rogers. We live in a world defined by lies. I, I want to end by playing a little soundbite from someone who used to be a rebel, who used to be anti-establishment, but now he's a global elite just like everybody else. And this will let you know how far the culture has moved, where we've moved in America. Howard Stern, fart man. Howard Stern, who used to be a rebel without a cause, is a global elite that's calling for Aaron Rodgers to be kicked out of the NFL. Listen to this. I was so worked up over the weekend about this uh, Aaron Rodgers of the NFL. I don't even know where to begin with that story. I mean, this guy, I don't watch football. Sorry, I'm not a big fan. I know the guy's a real good football player. That's why they put up with his bullshit if I yeah, ran the NFL, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So, yeah, you know that he's important to the franchise. If I was the, uh, you know, if there was decency in this world, you know, I would throw this guy out of the football league so fast. What he did to his fellow teammates and, you know, bravo, Terry Bradshaw, for what you said and everyone else who's got half a brain in this country. But this guy they should throw him out of the league so fast <laughs> if there was decency in the world Aaron Rodgers would be thrown out of the NFL for trying to protect his medical privacy he didn't lie to his teammates he didn't lie to his coaches he didn't even lie to the NFL he duped the media He didn't demonize America. He didn't take a dump on police officers. He didn't try to promote some narrative that uh, a certain group of people are all evil and demonic and racist. The guy misled the media about his vaccination status. And if this, if there was any decency in this world he should be thrown out of the NFL. <laughs> I, I, I don't, what world are we living in? I, I was, and I expected this, I can't say I was shocked, but I, I knew the establishment would come after Aaron Rodgers. I'm just shocked at how many people are going for it and can't see it. All the people that allegedly are anti-establishment and they're strong and, they're, and all, all the athletes that, you know, just, they're rebellious and, they, and they're, they all wanna be Muhammad Ali. But none of them have any courage. Kyrie Irving and Aaron Rodgers, I, I, I want, let me roll out to uh, the Korean Cosell. That's a good name because 
you know, Howard Cosell was the only guy that would deal with Muhammad Ali when he was at his most polarizing. And so now let's roll out to Los Angeles and uh, interview the Korean Cosell, uh, Steve Kim. Uh, Steve, if there's any decency in this world, Aaron Rodgers should be removed from the NFL. You buying this? It's amazing that a guy that peddled degeneracy for 25 years, and I enjoyed Howard Stern when he was at the top of his game, has now become Mr. Decency. And by the way, I never saw those other clips of Terry Bradshaw sticking up for Colin Kaepernick. Now, I got a new moniker for him. Now he's Terry Pandershaw. Because, look, this is all about the approved messaging. Like, he looked around. He's on the Steve Harvey show. He saw us out there, and he's like, oh, yeah, uh, Cap. He knows Cap couldn't play. He knows Cap wasn't good. And I still remember that sham of a workout that Kaepernick had about two, three years ago. There were actually a lot of black players that were still active or retired from the league who felt like Kaepernick handled it bad. But, again, maybe Terry had some white guilt, and he felt like, hey, I got to stay on code here. I got to be on message, just like he is for this thing. Here's where I believe that there is a disconnect between the mainstream media at a certain level and the rest of the American public. I will not argue with anyone that says that they that Aaron Rodgers handled this incorrectly and they're staunchly against him and his stance and his actions. I get it. We are allowed to disagree. It's okay. But many of these pundits, like a Bradshaw and the other suspects, they don't understand that at least half the country, if you read on social media, your private interactions, the messages that we all get, there's a good deal of people that are a complete 180 uh, against their particular viewpoint on Aaron Rodgers. And I find it ironic that the mainstream media of all forums, of all industries, is upset at someone for misleading people. Oh, the irony. Q Alanis said, a thousand spoons and all you need is a knife. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> that's a very good point. Do you actually believe that Terry Bradshaw is upset with Aaron Rodgers. No. And then on the other side, do you actually believe he supports Colin Kaepernick? I brought this up to you Friday. I really wonder how many of these individuals that have those upper tier seven, eight figure jobs secretly or in private agree with Aaron Rodgers, if not his actions. Like they wish he would have come out up front, like a Kyrie Irving, who has to be given credit for leading the way in his own way. Um, but understand that if I come out and say, you know what, I have no issues with Rodgers, good for him. They understand that they would be pulled. I'll go back to my experience at ESPN, and I was very low on the totem pole. Like I've told you before, Stephen A. Smith was up here, Steve Kim was down here. I was just a lowly beatboxing reporter. But the few times that you made any type of jokes or reposted a meme kind of poking fun at the coronavirus, you were told within minutes, get that out of there. We're not supposed to joke about this. I was even told, you know, we really have to be fearful of this. And I'm saying to myself, really, over a disease where there's still over a 99.5% survival rate. So, again, this is what is called an approved message. And Terry Pandershaw is just staying on script. As it relates to Kaepernick, I don't think he wanted to be branded a racist. I think there was a lot of white guilt. He wanted to be popular. And so he wanted to be known as, God, he's so reflective. He's so forward thinking. But let's be honest about it. 
if you have Colin Kaepernick at quarterback, there comes with issue uh, issues, and the biggest one is he's not that good. That's the that's the thing. Why will the Packers put up with Aaron Rodgers' BS? Because he's Aaron Rodgers, and after yesterday, there's even more evidence of it. Man, this guy's even more valuable than we thought. So to answer your question, no, I don't think Bradshaw or Pandershaw believes in a lot of stuff that he has to say, but he understands that's a good gig. Let's keep it. And so, and I, I, well, don't let me be condescending. Uh, Let me just ask the question directly. A society built on this many lies where, where everybody has to embrace things they don't believe in. I just don't remember this being a part of the America I grew up in where all the talking heads and celebrities and just individuals had to jump on board with so many things they just don't believe, but you had, the only way to survive is to believe in those things. Can, can a society operate on a series of lies where everybody, well, January 6th, that's Pearl Harbor. Uh, men and biological boys should be able to compete against women. I just think in a society that is this filled with lies, I don't blame Aaron Rodgers for being deceptive because we've proven to be a society and particularly the media that can't handle the truth. Well, let's go back to last year when we had a lot of riots and the media in mass called it peaceful protest. Jay, you mostly can agree peaceful. or disagree. Yeah, mostly peaceful. You can agree or disagree with the messaging, the meaning, and the intentions. But when there is over $2 billion worth of damage done to the American public, private and public spaces, businesses ruined, riots, fires, property damage, excuse me for thinking that's not really all that peaceful. And but who was the one really pushing that message? It wasn't me or you, wasn't the American public. It certainly wasn't those people that owned the properties, the businesses that lived in those uh, affected areas. It's the media. The media kept telling you that this was mostly peaceful. And meanwhile, you're looking at visuals of things getting burnt down, businesses getting broken into, all sorts of looting and rioting. And you're thinking to yourself, this is madness. But this is par for the course. Look, again, you don't have to agree with Aaron Rodgers on any of this. What I find really frustrating is that there is no consistency, that black should be black and white should be white. Certain issues are really that simple. Uh, Again, Aaron Rodgers, to me, has now become a pariah because he was on the wrong side of the message. And I, I just really have an issue with people saying, well, he needs to do it for the greater good and he needs to be out there. I'm going to go back to this again. I remember last year when the NBA players wanted to sit out games over Jacob Blake. I literally heard a lot of media members say, well, these players are not here for your entertainment. In other words, if they didn't want to play by the rules or play at all, they didn't have to. Well, Aaron Rodgers, he actually was playing the game at a very high level. He just felt as though he didn't want what he felt was an experimental drug in his body. Where I do take exception to what Terry Bradshaw said was something about the ivermectin. He called it basically a cow medicine or whatever. (laughs) There's actually a lot of proof that it's not uh, and used in certain forms. And so I have a question for all those people who say Aaron Rodgers is not a doctor. All right, where did Terry Pandershaw get his medical degree? I, I, 
it's certainly misinformation, disinformation. Uh, I think in 2015, the guy that created Ivermectin won a Nobel Peace Prize or something or some major award. Yes, there is one for livestock or whatever, or horses or cattle or whatever, but to say this, to say this kind of thing when everybody knows it's not truthful, again, that's why I just go, we've built a society built on lies. This can't be sustainable. Steve, let me ask you this. Aaron Rodgers is under an unprecedented attack. I think it's one thing to be attacked by people outside the sports space and outsiders, basically people you don't deal with, but he's being attacked by his peers. Terry Bradshaw is a Hall of Fame quarterback by the sports media that he has to deal with and talks about him constantly. He's being attacked from the inside. Do you expect him to fold and to recant and apologize? No. There, to me, was a real stated agenda and goal by Rodgers on Friday when he said, you know what, I'm going to control my own messaging here. So I'm going to dial up Pat McAfee. I'm going to get a few things off my chest. And if Rodgers is the renegade that I think he is, because he is a he's, a he's a different type of guy. He's very quirky. He's temperamental. That this might actually fuel him that he must have looked at yesterday's game and said, yeah, see, <laughs> I'm pretty valuable. Uh, I'm the most valuable Packer by far. And look, he's gone this far with it. So far, Kyrie Irving, to his credit, has held his ground, stood on his square. I actually expect Aaron Rodgers to do the same thing because he's not the type of guy that was warm and fuzzy with the media anyway. Um, and I think that's part of the criticism he's getting, that he wasn't part of that good old boy network where he gave access to everybody and he'd go on everyone's show. Uh, to me, Rodgers is an independent guy. He, he, look, his own family has been alienated from him. Nothing's closer than, than mm. that. I mean, blood is thicker than water. So if he's going to have a detached relationship with blood relatives, I'm not so sure he really cares what anyone from Jamel Hill to uh, Bomani Jones and everyone else at ESPN really has to say. And I think he also realizes a good portion of America that aren't even Packers or football fans are actually behind him. So I actually don't expect Rodgers to fold. Steve, I think you've made a heck of an argument and a compelling case, but let's don't forget I don't think Aaron Rodgers is comfortable with the people who are supporting him, particularly the way the people who are supporting him are branded by the media. Well, only Trump supporters or MAGA people like Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's the racist, anti-vax people that, that, that love Aaron Rodgers. And then the other pressure, I think, or the other interesting deal is, Okay, he's lost this sponsorship with Previa Health. State Farm seems to be backpedaling. I think Terry Bradshaw came out with a State Farm commercial yesterday. And so I, I think that the possibility of Aaron Rodgers getting outed over this Vax deal has been thought about and processed months ago. and. What happens if State Farm backs away from him and all this ancillary money he makes outside of football backs away from him? You don't think the money makes him move? 
It does, but the the money also gives him security. Look, he's got money in the bank, and with the with the rise of alternate media, where individuals are creating their own space, and a guy that has a brand like Aaron Rodgers. Look, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers ever really wants to get into the network field of being the next Archie or Peyton or Eli Manning and being out there doing regular television work. He's never struck me as that guy, even though he certainly has the intelligence to do so. But look, he's quirky. I don't know what to really say other than the fact he has to live with his decisions. And that's part of being a renegade or actually doing things your own way. You have to understand that there are ramifications to your behavior and your decisions. Um, He's got to put on his big boy pants now and live with the consequences. Steve, I wanted to ask you questions about OBJ and Bill Belichick. I think I'm going to wait till tomorrow. Uh, Can we bring you back tomorrow and talk? Baker Mayfield putting a clown suit on OBJ. Uh, Bill Belichick maybe rearing his head again. And at some point, you know, I'm going to ask you this, uh, just as this is related to Aaron Rodgers and and the Packers, I do want to ask you this. Uh, Jordan Love looked horrible, Mm. and I've already read people uh, blaming Uh. the Packers, blaming Matt LaFleur. And if if those guys are in the wrong, it's for drafting Jordan Love (laughs) if he's not any good. It, I, I don't, but anyway, your thoughts on, because if Aaron Rodgers had played yesterday, they would have cleaned the Chiefs clock by 30 points yesterday. The Chiefs looked awful and won 13 to seven because the Packers couldn't do anything on offense. You mean Jordan Nolove, who did the impossible. He made the Chiefs defense look like the 85 Bears for about three and a half, four quarters. It's interesting. They showed this <laughs> clip of Jordan Love's family literally in the Euchre seats, the last row of Arrowhead Stadium. And I said to myself, they got lucky. I wouldn't have wanted to watch that up close. It kind of reminded me of this boxer named Tommy Morrison in the 90s who had AIDS and he had to go to Japan to fight because they wouldn't license him out here. And one of my lines that I used early on in my career, I said, it's the first time in history for a fight that the last row seats are probably more expensive and better than the front row seats. Who wanted to see that? Look, it's Jordan Love's first start. What I saw, Jay, he was jittery. He was nervous. The ball didn't come out very smoothly. Again, I don't want to give up on him. It's still his first start. But I reference a game that took place in week 13 in 2007 when the Dallas Cowboys were 10-1. The Packers were 10-1. It was a battle between Romo and Brett Favre. Cowboys jump out to a big 27-10 lead. Favre gets his elbow banged up. And who comes off the bench? Some guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers, who had thrown two passes the whole year. And this game was on NFL Network when no one really had it. Rodgers, in his first extended playing time, without even a lot of practice reps, gets called out of the bullpen. And after a rough first drive, Jason, he was throwing darts all over that field. And right away, you're like, that kid has it. That, that kid is not just a system player from Jeff Tedford at Cal. He showed a real ability to put the ball on guys' hands and their body and to make tough throws and to show mobility. Jordan Love yesterday looked jittery. I mean, he looked like a guy that was overwhelmed by the moment and the speed of the game. And people have to go back to his last year at Utah State. He wasn't even that good. That's what always surprised me about the Packers drafting him when they did. I actually thought he regressed. His stock to a lot of scouts actually went down his final season there as an Aggie. 
So again, it's not a perfect comparison, but I, I just remember the first time also I saw Aaron Rodgers really have to play in a regular season game. He was great. And I said to myself, they have something there. And at the end of that year, 2007, when the Packers lost to the Giants in the NFC Championship game, the Packers had no compunction in telling Brett, bye. I'm not so sure, based on what we saw yesterday, which is a very small sample size, the Packers have those same thoughts as it relates to Jordan Love. Steve, we're going to circle back to you tomorrow, talk some more broader issues in the sports world. Uh, Good job. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at Good Ranchers. If you're looking for the best food for you and your family, then you need to see our friends over at Good Ranchers. You'll get better than organic chicken, and their meat comes from cattle that has been grass-fed and grain-finished. They offer a wide selection that includes T-bones, fillets, strips, gourmet burgers, and more. Get their Family Feast Bundle, the Ranchers Classic, or their Cowboy Food Package, and you are guaranteed to get 100% American meat 100% of the time. And at half the price of online competitors, you'll get a steakhouse quality at a price every family can afford. Go to GoodRanchers.com to buy now or subscribe today and save 20% all on each box of mouth-watering meats. Subscribing brings the cost down to less than $5 a meal. Plus, right now, get an additional $20 off and free express shipping if you go to GoodRanchers.com slash fearless or use the code fearless at checkout. That's $20 off and free express shipping at GoodRanchers.com slash fearless. All right, welcome back. All right, you know what? When you're building an army, you got to try out new soldiers. And so, you know, T.J. Moe is someone who I followed his uh, football career at the University of Missouri. He spent some time with the Rams and the Patriots. Uh, I follow T.J. over social media. T.J. did some uh, work in radio in the St. Louis area. And, you know, T.J. is someone that's not afraid. He's kind of fearless, at least over social media. So I said, you know what? Let's try out and see if uh, he's ready for this uh, fearless army. And what better topic to start him out with than Aaron Rodgers being vilified uh, by the sports media establishment for basically trying to protect the privacy of his of his medical conditions, procedures or whatever. Uh, TJ, uh, welcome to Fearless. Uh, T.J. Moe, that is. This is not T.J. Hushmanzada, as you can see. Uh, we like wide receivers named T.J. Uh, on this show. So, uh, T.J., first and foremost, what do you think of uh, Terry Bradshaw and the sports media establishment uh, crucifying Aaron Rodgers? Well, Jason, good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, we had texted a little bit last week, thought we may have missed this story, uh, and I'm glad we didn't. I... Uh, Look, I, I have read a ton about the vaccine. I myself decided not to get vaccinated because I'm 30 years old and I'm at virtually no risk at all. Um, and I'm honest with people about that. Aaron wasn't. Uh, and I think that is ultimately, aside from just not doing what the media wants him to do, I think the lie is uh, why he's getting crucified the way he is. Um, I, I think the media has a big problem. I think they have a massive problem. And I would, prior to yesterday, not have put Terry Bradshaw in this camp but I think, uh, I think their problem is this. Donald Trump has broken them. I think Donald Trump called them fake news for four years and people started to snoop around and figure out that might be right. And so what the media used to do back in the day is they would 
tell you something. They'd say, okay, here's what's going on. Here's our reporting, our investigative reporting. Uh, this is the best of what we can find today. We'll let you know if anything changes tomorrow. Well, I think they are so afraid of people believing Donald Trump that they double down on everything that they say, even when it's a clear lie. As a vaccine, we have seen uh, a report came out a couple days ago that the Moderna uh, efficacy went from 89% to 58% six months later. Pfizer went from 87% down to 45% six months later. And Johnson & Johnson miraculously, unbelievably, went from 86% down to 13%. The vaccines don't work very well, um, aside from the anti-scientific notion that uh, that natural immunity doesn't exist, the stuff doesn't work very well. Well, the media has decided it doesn't matter because they can't ever be wrong, because if they're wrong, then Donald Trump was right. And they just can't have that. Mm. That's a fascinating theory. I think a lot of people uh, would agree with that. I, I think you started out with a comment, though, that I, I want to ask you to clarify or just expound on. Aaron Rodgers says, I didn't lie. That, and, and I'm not sure if he lied as much as he misled, which I may just be playing a semantical game. But, but I don't blame somebody in this current environment where lies are so pervasive and we're all, you know, every conversation is stacked on a foundation of lies. I don't blame Aaron Rodgers or anybody for, say, for going, you know what, if I tell these people the truth, me being Aaron Rodgers, the reigning MVP, one of the two or three most popular guys in the NFL, if I tell them the truth about what I'm going through and why I've decided not to take the vaccine, it's going to be so mishandled by the media and such a problem and a distraction for me and the team that I'm better off misleading them. It's like when a society proves that it's comfortable with dishonesty, don't be surprised that you're starting to turn honest people into dishonest people. No, I think that's an excellent point. And uh, what choice do you have, right? I mean, it's like the HIPAA regulations have gone directly out the window um, when it comes to the vaccine. Now, now, not only is it uh, okay to ask about the vaccine, it's expected. I mean, it's like I walk into people's houses and the first thing they ask is, are you vaccinated? Uh, it, is, it is a very weird turn, and people have tried to make that okay. And, I'm, and I mean, put yourself in Aaron Rodgers' seat, right? Um, he says to himself, okay, we, we have a couple options. I either say, no, I'm not vaccinated, and I have to follow all these ridiculous anti-scientific regulations that the NFL put up about uh, non-vaccinated players and wearing masks in front of the media and all these different things. Uh, or I just tell them no, and uh, or I just tell them yes, excuse me, and then I have to fight this battle, right? I have to fight this battle eventually when it all comes to be. So he, the, the problem with saying this is none of your business is that everybody just assumes that the answer is no, you're not vaccinated. So there is no privacy. He's stuck in a place where he doesn't have privacy. Um, and, and then to control your narrative, I mean, we see this all the time. The, the, the one nice thing about the technology recently is that you have a ton of smaller places that are getting big audiences. Joe Rogan is one of them. And, uh, and you're seeing him go on with Pat McAfee, right? Pat, he wants to control his narrative, and he knows that he will not get a fair shake on any of the main networks. So he goes on, goes on with Pat McAfee and gets some time to explain himself. And at least while it's being reported 
by the big networks as he's a giant liar. At least he gets to come forward and say, here's my story. Here's why I did what I did. And you guys can judge me for yourselves. I just asked Steve Kim this question. I'm going to ask you the same one. Do you think Aaron Rodgers eventually folds, backpedals, and apologizes? Joe Rogan had a, a wonderful line a couple years ago. He said, what is the point of having FU money if you never get to say FU? Uh, Aaron Rodgers is worth about $120 million. Uh, he, is, he has plenty of money. And he also has half the country on his side, right? I mean, you get guys like Ben Shapiro at the Daily Wire, who is vaccinated. Um, most of the people in his company are vaccinated, and they are filing lawsuits right now to get rid of this vaccine mandate with companies over 100 employees, right? Um, even the people that are vaccinated, I think it's incredibly unpopular to try to mandate people to be vaccinated. Uh, and it's ultimately what this comes down to, right? The effectiveness of the vaccine. And people are seeing that they're all, they're, there are tons of alternatives, right? Regeneron just came out uh, with their, they released data about their uh, monoclonal antibodies and that it's, it is dropping the risks of death and hospitalizations for update months at like 82%, right? We're seeing, if you, if you want to know how poorly things are going for the vaccine, this is, this is astounding. I mean, Wall Street usually knows things before we do, right? Uh, Moderna's stock is down about 30% in the last five days as Pfizer came out with their pill uh, that said it's about 90% effective when it comes to cutting hospitalizations and deaths. And this is just a, an at-home pill. I mean, Britain, as of last week, came out and said, yes, we're taking this. Anybody who's at, at high risk right now, take this pill, and we're just going to try it. The vaccines aren't working very well. So does it really matter if Aaron Rodgers came out and lied about whether or not he got the vaccine if the vaccines aren't working anyway? Mm. TJ, I say this all the time, and you're 30 years old. You're not that far removed from your days as an athlete. I'm sure you're still friends with a lot of athletes and have friends still in the NFL or playing maybe basketball or sports other places. What do you think the average athlete, professional athlete, thinks about the vaccine and the mandate? Are they all just going along to get along? Or do you think some of them actually believe that these young people in peak health need to be taking this vaccine? What do you hear from your friends? What is your belief that most athletes, you think they most athletes probably side with Aaron Rodgers, but just don't have the leverage or the, the passion to do what he did? I think that's probably true. I hate speaking for other people, so I'll just tell you what I think. Um, I, I think that the, the, the culture of sports makes this one very difficult. The culture of sports in general is to do what is best for the team, no matter what that is. So what, when you look at what the protocols, the NFL and the NBA and everybody are putting down, you say, okay, what would be best for the team and what would make me available to play the most often is to get the vaccine. That means I don't have to test as often. That means I don't have the same issues if I do test positive. I just do what's best for the team all the time. The problem is, is that you have some older guys like Aaron Rodgers, I think what they're 37 years old. He's saying, okay, my playing days are coming to an end and the rest of my life is starting here. Right. So he's got whatever it is, five or six years, maybe as a quarterback, you got uh, longer than that if you're like Tom Brady, but it's, you only have a few years left and then you have the rest of your life and you say, okay, 
the risk of anything negative happening to me if I get this, uh, if I get with the Delta variant or any other variant that comes out with COVID, uh, the risk is incredibly small. But if I put something, I shove something in my arm that has no longitude, longitudinal testing whatsoever. I mean, it's like, how could you? The vaccine has only been around for a year. So what happens if in three years you start seeing issues with people? And I look, I, I get it. I have no problem with anybody who ever wanted to get the vaccine. If you think that's best for you, great. But for a guy, uh, if I were a young person in the in the NFL, I would be looking at guys like Aaron Rodgers who can have a little bit more of a clear view of things because his career, he has a lot more life than career left. And when you're 22 years old just trying to make it in the NFL, all you can see is that you hope you have a 10-year NFL career. So you do what you need to do. I actually doubt there's a lot of thinking about whether or not this is the smart thing to do for your overall health. Uh, I think there's a lot more thinking about how can I make myself most valuable to the team? Probably not a great long-term strategy, but I think that's probably what's going on. And the discussion is much more about whether or not you're hurting the team than it is, or is this best for your personal health? TJ, you make a great point. You just made me think about like, hey, and particularly in my era, and I'm still sure it's, it's still going on, but guys would take steroids, human growth hormone, whatever was necessary for them to compete and be like, yeah, I'll deal with that later. Uh, If there's ramifications, I'll deal with it later. I just want to play. I want to make it to the NFL. I want to be a starter on my college team. And I would, that mindset, and, and maybe that's why athletes are being used in the way that they are in terms of putting pressure on the rest of the culture because the the puppet masters actually know like athletes will do anything to compete and will do anything to to as you point out to help the team they're actually athletes are are actually the perfect puppets to some degree no i think that's exactly right and and i can tell you i I was not super political when I was playing. All I cared about was football. So I may have been more likely to take the vaccine in college than I am today. Once you step out of that world, you you realize how consumed you were by the world and that nothing else mattered. I think you're exactly right. I think athletes are being manipulated. Uh, it's, it is really interesting because, as, as you pointed out on your show, guys like Kyrie Irving, who have decided they want to figure out what is absolutely the very best for them are making a sacrifice, right? And the sacrifice, people are calling them selfish. Is it really being selfish if you're making a decision that is best for you and your family? Like, this is, I I don't know where the proper answer lies, but is your team more important than your family? Is your team more important than your extended family, your circle, your long-term health? I mean, you've got probably a wife and kids and extended family, certainly as a guy who has made that much money that you will be supporting long-term. If you, such as Aaron Rodgers, right, who is actually allergic to some of the ingredients, if you decide that you are going to do what's best for the team for just a very short time, is that less selfish than doing what's best for your family in the long-term? I don't think it's a fair discussion, and we're not even allowed to bring it up. Uh, TJ, uh, I got to say, uh, if this was basic training, you just aced the test, man. It's a good job. You you did the 30 push-ups. You did 40 sit-ups. Uh, you ran the mile and a half in seven and a half minutes. Uh, good job, soldier. <laughs> seven and a half minute, mile and a half. That's not bad there. <laughs> I've never done That's that. That's not bad at all. 
Yeah, you ha- <laughs> yeah. That that's a, I've never run a mile and a half, so I don't know what a good time is. So I just yeah, threw that out. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you, TJ. Awesome job. Go to YouTube.com/slash Jason Whitlock. Uh, it's gonna get Shamoki in here uh, very soon because Shamika Michelle Shamoke Show. <laughs>
uh, in his satanic uh, gear and outfits and, and videos, him going to hell and giving the devil a lap dance. Uh, this Jay-Z, that we, we had the rapper, the Christian rapper Bizzle on, who did an entire song about Jay-Z and satanic image, imagery uh, in Jay-Z's music. And Jay-Z, uh, we, we've seen him pictured with the do without wilt, uh, which is an Aleister Crowley, a Satanist. That's his slogan. Hip-hop music seems to be closely aligned with Satanism. It's like Snoop Dogg's Murder Was the Case. That video, that song was like an ode to, Saint, to Satanism. It was, it was about Snoop cutting the deal with the devil. It was Uncle Jimmy pointed out to me this morning when we were talking about this, something that totally went over my head Remember the rap group 3-6 Mafia? And you just say, oh, that's a little gang thing. 3-6 Mafia, 666. Six, six. 3-6 is basically what they're saying. This satanic, demonic stuff seems to go hand in hand with hip hop music. Particularly all this commercial stuff. And we should be discussing it, and this event at Astro World, uh, the people that were there, I, I think that Travis Scott, the, the, they was call, the, the set was the mouth of hell or something like that. We need to be talking about this. I know that uh, Shamika is a huge rap music fan. Same as I was growing up as a young person and a kid, and hell, I'm friends with rappers. Uh, look, Tech Nine is pictured on, I don't know if you guys can see it, but he's pictured on my wall behind me, uh, the vintage Tech, the kid with the afro. Uh, and I gotta be, you know, I'm never not gonna be a fan of Tech Nine. He's a friend of mine, I know him personally, and uh, you know, but for a long time, some of Tech's other album covers and music, people always said, is he flirting with Satanism? And, and people used to be fearful of that. That, that. that like hurt Tech's popularity 20 years ago. But now, every rapper is way off into the Satanic themes and symbolism. See, every commercial, uh, every popular rapper seems to be. So uh, I wanted to bring in Shamika Michelle because, again, I know she's interested in the topic as well. And so, uh, Shamika, we'll, we'll, we'll start here. What, from what you've been able to glean from this Travis Scott Astro World deal, uh, was this some sort of satanic ritual, perhaps? Uh, that went on in Houston? You know, there's definitely elements that would say that it that it could have been. I've heard that even the spot where the concert was held is supposed to be a portal of hell and that there's been people dying in that area um, suspiciously before and that it was chosen because of, of that, because it was a portal of hell. And when you look at the fact that 
that he had the stage set up as the mouth of hell and it was an inverted cross and that he's always told his people to kind of just lose yourself in the music and just live life and and go crazy and and be wild it would you know support the things that people are saying as far as this being a satanic ritual and when people were passing out he was you know doing some type of chanting over the mic so it would seem as if that could very well be possible have you seen the same thing that i've seen on the internet in terms of the media put out this story like oh man it was a mosh pit and people got stomped out Everything I've seen from people that were on the scene was like, no, people weren't getting stomped out. People were laying in, on the floor having convulsions, and it's like the media either doesn't understand this story or is intentionally misleading us about what happened. Well, the media always intentionally misleads us. And yes, I've heard a lot of people say that people's bodies were being taken over. And this, again, goes back to him chanting while on stage and just kind of wanting people to open themselves up to to just let themselves go to these deities or these, um, you know, demonic entities that could actually come in and take over their bodies. So I have seen a lot of stories of people saying they were just in a trance and, and passed out. You know, it wasn't just that people were injecting them or they were being trampled, but that people were really just dropping left and right because they were in sort some sort of trance. As someone who was young in the 80s, teen years during the 80s, and grew up from Rapper's Delight all the way to, you know, to now, at 54, I listen to a lot of the hip hop music that's been made over the last 20, 25 years. And not the stuff beforehand, but the stuff of the last 20 to 20. I'm embarrassed to listen to it and will only basically listen to it on earphones or I don't, I don't want other people to know that I, I'll listen to it at the gym when I'm trying to get through a workout occasionally. But most of the music I find embarrassing and it's not something I would want to share with anybody that I listen to this and so I'm just you're younger than me by about 10 years I'm just want any regrets about your passion for hip-hop or rap gangster rap music yeah, well, I definitely can see how rap music has changed. When you talk about Rapper's Delight, we've gone from the chicken tastes like wood to now seeing rappers sliding down stripper poles into hell. So things have definitely changed. And I do feel like people like Lil' Kim, who I was very much a fan of, started it. You know, Lil' Kim is why I know I'm supposed to swallow when she said, I'm drinking babies. Then I cracks for the Mercedes, act shady and feel my 380. 
So now we have the city girls who you look at as just pretty much hoes and saying, I want a man for his money and that's it. And I can do this. I'm a throat baby. And, you know, so because of what we pushed or what we allowed 20 years ago is why we have what we have now. So I think we've kind of watched and sat quiet and, and said nothing about rap music just really spiraling out of control and becoming very evil and promoting a bunch of lasciviousness and we've, we've been quiet about it. So I do think that, you know, I don't know if I feel bad um, because I, you know, I can't go back and change it, but I do, I can say that I noticed that because we allowed it, it's, it's only gotten worse. You know, I don't even take satisfaction in the fact that early in my journalistic career and as a columnist in the nineties in Kansas city, I complained about hip hop music. I, I wrote, you know, it's like I became friends with a lot of Kansas City rappers, but we didn't start out as friends. It started out with them being hot with me and threatening me uh, because of some of the things I was writing. Like, hey man, we're going too far with this music. It, it's saying some crazy stuff. I, I don't, I don't think that exonerates me because I certainly bought, listened to wrote stories about the rappers and, and looked at them as celebrities and, you know, basically idols. I, I participated in a million debates about Tupac being better than Biggie. And so, you know, it, uh, I, I can't say I wasn't part of the promotion of that culture, even though I was occasionally critical of it. Uh, you made an interesting point to me before the show about rappers and the power dynamic and the, the, the and, and part of me when I listened to you, I didn't say it to you when you said it to me before the show, but I, I, I just wonder if all these rappers, particularly Jay-Z, if they're not all caught up in Freemasonry and, and you know, Jay-Z's the blueprint is basically an analogy about being a Freemason. And, you know, if you know anything about Freemasonry, it's closely aligned with witchcraft and magic and demonic forces. But anyway, explain your theory about rappers and power. Yeah, I definitely believe that a lot of rappers are just fascinated with having power. Uh, there is a saying that says a devil who has who can bring unity is actually a god. So I think a lot of them feel like or they want to see themselves as God and have this ability to have power over the mind of someone else. If you look at old uh, theologians, a lot of them were magicians. They considered themselves magi, which the that's where uh, a magi is a magician. You think about even in biblical stories, they talk about the three magis. So a lot of magicians and theologians went hand in hand. And a lot of them, you know, uh, they taught about being able to really have control over your life and what you do, what you think, your mind, how you imagine things. And so I do feel like a lot of rappers, because they want this type of control, control over their fans and over the people that follow them, they do 
you know, dig a little bit into the occult world and are fascinated by these things. If you look at uh, Baphomet and how Beyonce dresses up in, in with the goat horns and a lot of them are really into this. And I think it's because of what they stand for, what it represents and the power that comes along with it. So I think that people have to be careful, especially when you're listening to this and you're following behind these rappers and, and singers, what they actually believe and what they could actually, the spells really, because words are, are spells. So you have to really pay attention to the things that you're listening to and what they, the control that they can actually have over your mind and your own will. You know, this whole power dynamic that you reference resonates with me, and, and I'm about to give some analogies some people will giggle at, but it's the truth. I can remember in 1995 was the first year I started making, uh, I think I was getting paid $125,000 a year by the Kansas City Star. And in 1995, and trust, in 1995, you got, I graduated college in 1990. And literally, my goal in 1990, this is the honest to God truth, was, man, when I'm 40, and so that would be 18 years later, I graduated college at 22. I literally thought, when I'm 40, I'm gonna make $70,000 a year writing about sports. And I, 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 so 18 years from 1990, that would have been 2008. And so in 2008, I had this vision of making $70,000 a year. In 1995, I'm making 125,000. So I'm way ahead of schedule. And I'm way, not even just ahead of schedule, I'm just well beyond what I ever imagined. And I remember distinctly like what that did to my mind. And you, my family, my mother, my father, everybody is a factory worker, everybody is, you know, working class. Ain't nobody made six figures in my family. And, and so in just making 125, being a little dude from uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, what it did to my ego and the power that I thought it gave me. And it can create a God complex in you. And it can create a lust for power and oh, I can do this or that for my family. And people start treating you differently. They start treating you like you're all powerful because they don't want to get on your bad side. And this is just me. And so when I think about these young rappers that perhaps are making two, three, four million dollars a year, maybe five, I'm talking about back in the 90s and 2000s or whatever, I can only imagine what that does to their mind and convinces them of a power and perhaps creates a lust for even more power because when you have that kind of money, people will do virtually anything to be next to you, anything to be, to be next to you. And so part of this instant wealth that we've granted young people through the entertainment industry, through sports, I'm talking about instant, like incredible wealth. 
of course it does something to their mind. Of course it makes them look at themselves as a God. And, and you reference like Jay-Z calls himself basically Jehovah. <laughs> Kanye yes. calls himself Jesus. It, it's these guys have so much money and and deal with so many people willing to do anything to be next to them. It creates a God complex. For sure. The um, the artist that actually did the picture of Baphomet, who he was a magician, an occultist. He was into uh Kabbalah. He was also pursuing a career in ecclesiastic, ecclesiastical Catholicism. He told people, when you start going down this road and trying to have this power in your mind, it can lead to insanity. So there's a warning that when you start digging into magic and when you get into these things of the occult, you can actually lose your mind. And so we wonder how a lot of people People say, oh, Kanye is crazy. Well, what we don't know what he's been, you know, digging into behind the scenes. And a lot of people say that, you know, this can cause you to lose your mind because you are really turning yourself over to something that you have no control over or something more powerful more powerful than you and this is what can happen so yes when you open yourself up you know to wanting to be a god or considering yourself a god you're opening yourself up to to powers and deities that you have really no idea what what that can bring into your life Shamika, i don't know if you've ever in your life had this experience but I had it once in my life, and this was as a child, an 18-year-old senior at Warren Central High School. Uh, I, me and another guy put on a pro wrestling event at my high school. And it was like a senior last semester kind of prank gimmick. We, we, we had football scholarships and, and I wanted to do something fun. I, I love coming up with ideas. And, and so we put on a pro wrestling event. We rented an actual wrestling ring, brought it to the high school, sold tickets uh, to the student body. And it was me and this other guy. We were wrestling against these two other guys. We dressed up in pro wrestling uniforms. And so because I was on the track team at the same time, we had the county track meet or whatever going on the night of this wrestling event. The only night we could book this wrestling event at the high school. And so I had to show up late to the wrestling event. And, and I entered into the building and the ring late. The wrestling thing had already started. My name uh, was Yukon Moose Whitlock. Uh, something off the, there was a Yukon Moose Cholock or whatever. My name was Yukon Moose Whitlock. And so when people saw me enter the gymnasium, there's probably 500 kids in the gymnasium. And they all start chanting, Moose, 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 Moose. And I promise you, Shamika, it's the greatest feeling I ever had in my life. Better than sex, better than anything. 500 people chanting my name. 
I promise you. I've, it's only happened to me this one. And I remember, I remember like, oh my God, this is what Michael Jackson feels like when he's on a stage and 20,000 people, 30,000 people are chanting his name. I got 500 people in a high school gym chanting Moose and I'm talking, it, it, it's the greatest energy I've ever felt in my life. And I look at the, Travis Scott, Jay-Z, Kanye, these guys come from nothing. No one can prepare you for 20,000 people hanging on your every word, chanting your name, looking at you like you're a deity. I, I'm just, I had a little tiny drip of that at 18 and I've never forgotten that feeling. There's no wonder these people are insane and sit and run around, call me Hova, call me Jesus. I, they all talk about I'm a God on their songs. No wonder. It's the fame, no it's the attention. Yeah, because if it's better than sex, it must be completely amazing <laughs> because you know there's also sex magic. Uh, that's a whole nother topic, you know, with people that get into sex magic. So if it's better than that, my goodness, it, that must have been something <laughs> out of this world. <laughs> well, uh, it was. I've never had that experience uh, since. Uh, I'm, more, I'm more likely to get booze than chance now. Uh, but uh, we, look, we're going to continue this conversation, hopefully throughout the week. I may try to reach out to some people in Houston that have some more expertise. I, I want to talk about maybe some of you out there in the audience know people that were there. Uh, and I, I would like to get someone on that was there. I think it's an important topic, what's going on in music as, as this world becomes more and more secular and I think more and more controlled by demonic energy and forces. I think it's important we understand what went on in Houston with Travis Scott and the Astroworld Festival. All right, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Get those likes up. I want 3,000 likes for this show. Get in the comments, leave a comment. Join the fearless army. Uncle Jimmy and our approval rating for uh, Travis Scott. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, Uncle Jimmy is here uh, to review the show and uh, give his approval rating on uh, Travis Scott. But uh, before I get to any of that, did I hear you right at the beginning of the show call yourself a thrill sergeant? And what, what, what is a thrill sergeant? I know what a drill sergeant is. What's a thrill sergeant? So you don't know. I, that's why I'm asking you. Look here, man, I came up in a time where they I was raised that if it thrill you, you don't let it kill you. If you like it, don't fight it. Because if you love it, Uncle Jimmy can damn sure shove it, okay? That's what it means. Ah, oh, damn it, don't let, the, don't let the smooth face fool you. Uh, any thoughts on the show? Did I hear you right earlier when you was talking to Shamika when you said, Shamika, I'm a few hundred pounds younger than you. 
<laughs> Is that what you say? No, I said I'm a few years younger than you, about 10 years younger than you. Because oh, I, I wasn't even hearing you because you, you, you was talking and you said, I remember when I was a kid, I was about 18 years old. Yes. God damn it, I was a grown ass man with three jobs at 18, Jason. And I was a kid. And so, and Jim, any, when you're 18, you're still a kid. That, that's a fact. If we force kids to grow up too soon, yeah, we look at it 13-year-old like he's supposed to be the man of the house. So this explains why you walked into a high school arena and people started chanting, moose, moose, moose. Yeah. And you said that felt better than sex. <laughs> Jim, until you've had 500 people chanting your name, don't knock it till you try it. Until you've had a little bitty Filipino woman play hide the peanut butter, <laughs> don't you talk shit to me about what the hell growing up is about. Jim, uh, <laughs> this is a family show. We don't, <laughs> we, peanut butter goes on two slices of bread with some- Peanut butter goes on two crackers. <laughs> <laughs> did you have any thoughts about, I thought Steve Kim did a nice job. I thought, did you have any thoughts about- Steve Kim said something very interesting and I think we need to get him back on and we need to clarify this. What's that? He needs to, he needs to learn his place. Talking about he was over there at ESPN. Ah, damn it. You below us on the, to on the token pole. <laughs> so I was there at the low of the to token pole. You damn right just below the to lowest of the token pole. You way down there below cockeyed Mongolian children. <laughs> uh, we had a new inductee. Hold it. Uh oh, hold it real quick. I forgot about Steve King because he said one more thing. Steve, you better leave that boy, what's his name, Baloney Jones? God damn it, you know they can fight. <laughs> Who? What's his name, Belomi Jones that y'all was talking about? Bomani Jones? Oh, well, Belomi Jones, Bomb whatever, you know they can fight. You better leave that man alone. Anyway, uh, we had a new recruit, a potential inductee into the Fearless Army, uh, T.J. Moe, as the drill sergeant, or thrill sergeant. Do you, do you have any thoughts on his performance in basic training? I like the name T.J. Moe. T.J. Moe, is a bad mofo. <laughs> Seriously. And we ain't got room but for one TJ. Yeah. We're gonna have to vote that one light skin one off. We're gonna keep this dark skin one. No, TJ Moe is white. TJ Husmanzada is black. I know what the hell I said. This one is darker than TJ Husmanzada. <laughs> TJ is not TJ Husmanzada is not gonna lie. Just call him Mo. Just call I like him. Mo. Yeah, I, th I thought Mo did a good job. Hey, Mo made it Mo better. Mo better, yeah, yeah. I like him. Mo, Mo speaks well. All right, uh, I can't believe you had no comments about uh, Shamika talking about sexual magic, but I'm glad you didn't, and so I'm gonna leave it. Don't, don't, don't even say nothing. We're going to go to our approval rating of Travis Scott. Uh, as a thrill sergeant, clearly you've never experienced sexual magic either. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you about an incident I had with a glory hole. <laughs> uh, you've taken this stroll straight to the gutter. Uh, Travis Scott, uh, astral world uh, catastrophe. Uh, it's hard to be high on him job performance wise when 
Uh, eight people are dead and dozens more are hospitalized. So I gave Travis Scott a zero in job performance. Uh, he had a nice crowd out there. Um, he did, I give him a six for his job performance. He got out there, I mean, I can't game to him, but he did what he's supposed to do, I give him a six. Uh, character, got a satanic set out there, called it the mouth of hell. Uh, didn't seem to be bothered when people were suffering in the crowd and kept performing. Uh, I'm gonna give him a one in character. And then the one is just, he's dating Kylie Jenner, so I, it's hard to give him a zero. That's why he going to hell, is cause he dating one of them. <laughs> Man, the dude is a character. He got them horns growing all out of his head and everything else. He's a character, I, get, I give him a six. Another six, all right. Uh, authenticity, uh, he ain't false advertising. He's into this satanic, satanic demonic stuff. Uh, so I think he's pretty authentic. He's tied in with that Kardashian-Jenner clan. Uh, so I give him a 21 for authenticity. Um, if you're gonna give him something for hanging out with the Kardashians and authenticizing and everything. Uh, and he lets you know what you was coming to. I mean, if you looked at the, the, the promotions for his show, he had big skeleton heads and you, you, you was, I mean, you knew what you was coming to. So for authenticity, I'm gonna give him another six. Six, six, six. That's what he is. Uh, it factor. <laughs> uh, He's dating Kylie Jenner, so I can't give him a zero. I mean, he done pulled one of, <laughs> one of the strongest out there. Uh, I gotta give him a 20 for it factor. It's okay, he can be a shepherd for the devil as long as he dating the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> he can be a servant for the devil, but as long as he dating the Kardashian, we'll forgive that. There are benefits, I guess. <laughs> R-H-I-P. <laughs> so I'm gonna give him a 20. Rear ends has his privileges. <laughs> You gave him a zero for it factor. That does not. I, I ain't playing about that mess, man. I ain't playing about that. He gets a zero. I ain't playing that. All right, we both have him at a dumpster fire. Uh, I've got him at a 42. Jim has him at an 18. I think that's your lowest score, Jim. Hey, man, you know what? He's probably happy as hell in a dumpster fire in hell. <laughs> him and little, little nasty ex. Yeah, I am. All right, we should be hearing tomorrow. Cause that's it and that's all for us until tomorrow. Play our theme song, y'all. Yeah. I want freedom by tomorrow. Go to youtube.com. I want some peanut butter. Stop it. <laughs> all right, we'll see you tomorrow. Freedom came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want.